You're listening to the Unlocking Business Growth Podcast with Nola Heal. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Cerise Cylinders. Cerise's journey as a tech entrepreneur has been anything but typical. She spent 20 years in the financial services industry, the majority of those years as a senior executive. However, life threw her a curveball when her parents went through major health challenges. Despite being non-technical, she invented Aura, an innovative personal safety alert device designed to keep seniors safe. She quit her job to focus on Aura and a few years later pivoted to address the growing needs of a completely different market. Her latest company, Solace Guard, helps employers keep their employees safe. In addition to leading these two companies, Cerise is an active volunteer with a number of community organizations. Welcome, Cerise. Thank you for joining us today. To start us off, I wonder if you could give us a little bit of background beyond the bio. What brought you to changing your career entirely from what must have been a challenging but reasonably secure role as an executive in the credit union to becoming a very successful entrepreneur? Yeah, it's interesting, I guess, when I think back about leaving such a secure job because, you know, who really needs a salary, a pension and a benefits plan? I mean, really, that's just, you know, who needs that? Exactly, (laughs) surplus. That's exactly it. Um, But certainly, you know, my story does start a long, long time before that. And it starts when still in my career, still working for the credit union, doing all that, actually having a fairly successful uh, career in the financial services industry. But it was outside of my career. And it was when my my mom got sick and passed away unexpectedly. And then shortly after that, my dad got sick. And, you know, I, it's one of those things that people don't really talk about. They don't really talk about your parents getting old, elderly. They don't talk about the impact to you and your family. These are things that we, I don't think we're really prepared for. At least I wasn't really prepared for that. And the impact, and my brothers are in Alberta. I am here in Saskatchewan. And my my, par- my parents were here. And so how do we navigate that and how do we manage it? So when my dad was recovering from his illness, he was just thinking about, I want to go home. I want to be at home. I want to be back in my own element. And I was thinking, well, how am I going to do that? He, he would live four and a half hours from me. My brothers are in a different province. Like, how do you make that happen? And so I started to look for solutions that would help him to stay safe and give me peace of mind. And there really wasn't anything on the market that he would wear or have anything to do with because medical alert devices were not Absolutely not for him. He's young, he's independent, he still drives, you know, that's not for him. And so I started thinking about different ways. And that's when I came up with my first startup, which was Aura. Aura is a personal wearable safety device that's a lot more modern, mobile, etc. So I had this idea, but remember, I'm working at this job. And so I I did it a bit on the side. I was also doing the MBA at the time and we had an entrepreneurship class and I convinced my group mates that let's do this as a, as a idea. Luckily they agreed. (laughs) So we got to run through this business model. And so I, I got a chance to give it a go and say, okay, well, we can make this a business. And then um, I, 
I realized that there was still just a lot of work to do. I also wasn't sure how I was going to pay for it. So I had to keep working. So what I did is I, I did my executive job at the credit union, and then I ran it kind of like a project. I, I had the idea. I started working through it. I brought together, you know, all the technical people and, and moved along that to the point where it wasn't just a project anymore. It was going to have to be a business. And it was at that point where I said, okay, I got to make a, a decision. What do I do? Do I go for it? Or do I stay in, in this career that I've been building for so many years? And really what did it is I said, which one would I regret? Mm-hmm. And the one that I would regret is if I never gave the startup chance. And so that's what I did. Again, who needs salary pension benefits? I <laughs> set that aside. I have a very supportive husband and took the leap into Aura, my first startup. So that's kind of how it all went down. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you say, a tremendous challenge and bravery, but uh, a couple of circumstances that just came together and were appropriate to give you the opportunity. Well, I mean, I'm certainly very pleased you did take the leap because it's a very valuable um, safety device that you have have uh, created there. Can you perhaps tell us what it does just for the listeners? Sure. So again, my first startup, I have two, so we'll hopefully cover the second We'll go through both. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. So our first one, Aura, which is ORA, um, is a personal wearable safety device. And it's a very discreet device that can be uh, hidden, so to speak, in various holders. So there's the jewelry like I'm wearing right now, um, that the device is inside, or in a belt loop clip or another pendant. The idea is that the person who's wearing this safety device doesn't have to feel as though they're a target, doesn't have to feel self-conscious about wearing something where people are going to notice it, you know? So it's, it gives them that um, an anonymity, if you will, that they can have this and still be safe. So you, you have the device, it pairs to a smartphone and you set up your contacts. So I would, if it was for me, I would set up, you know, my husband and maybe some friends. Um, And in the event of an emergency, I simply press the button on the back of the device. An alert goes out to my contacts where they receive my GPS location. And if by chance they can't reach me, then there's uh, the device instructs my phone to call 911 as a backup, of which they're all aware of. So that's a basic functionality of how Aura works. And, And, you know, Aura's also evolved from the perspective of our user base. Certainly we have older adults that use our product, but we actually now, the vast majority of Aura users are for women um, who are facing um, gender-based violence. So- Interesting. Yes. That is- Yes. Awesome really sad, quite honestly, Mm -hmm. but fantastic that they feel comfortable enough to have the aura with them all the time and just keep it. Yes. And we have multiple organizations across the country who have um, generally not-for-profit organizations that that work with um, these vulnerable people they have purchased the devices and provide them to predominantly women who are at risk. So it's been, it's been an evolution even from for Aura um, to see what's needed because just quite frankly, there are people who 
are in unsafe situations and they need to be able to call for help quickly. And that's really what we do. So are you still operating exclusively in Canada or if you move to other vulnerable locations as well? We've always um, been certified to sell, sell in Canada and the United States. Nice. And so either anyone from either country can purchase our product. Fantastic. And then you took the Aura and created a new company. You were that ex excited in this entre entrepreneurial endeavor that you were brave enough to do it a second time. What did you do there? <laughs> There's some big assumptions that you made there. <laughs> oh, okay. I hope they're positive assumptions. <laughs> <laughs> they're good ones, but you know, um, that, that seems like the logical path that one would have gone down to get to where I landed. But, you know, that's really what... What ended up happening was um, we went out with Aura and we had this idea of who would use Aura, but the market, and this, this happens sometimes, the market had a different idea. And what, was, what was happening is that businesses were coming to us and they were saying, okay, yeah, you know, we know you have this, but hey, I've got these employees that work alone or at risk or whatnot, and we could use this for them. So we said, okay, you know, we'll make that happen. And, and we tried to do Aura and Aura Pro. And I was just, I don't know, I was just kind of hanging on to both. Yeah. And that side just kept growing and growing. And there's more and more demand. And then their businesses were saying, you know, uh, or people were coming to our website and then they were getting confused. They're like, well, are you for individual people or are you for businesses? And it was, it was actually a scenario where, I, I, I realized that I couldn't just continue to mush them together, that we really had to make um, a pivot and, and the decision to say, okay, the, the market for seniors in particular at the time, um, we're a little early, you know, for, for the elderly, the frail elderly, is a smartphone something that they're going to have? Is this the right product for them? This was before we started working with vulnerable women. Mm -hmm. So this market just really wasn't taking off for us. And so out of necessity, quite frankly, we said we need to focus on the B2B or the business to business right. market. And so it was a matter of preservation. And it was also a matter of following, you know, where the demand was. And so we said, well, we can't just sort of duplicate what we have. We need to create a, a new identity. Plus, the businesses were telling us that they needed more. It wasn't just a panic button. They wanted the ability for employees to be able to check in and check out during the day on, on software. They wanted the ability to um, maybe monitor their staff on their own. They wanted all these other things that make sense for businesses that don't make sense for individuals. Right. And so a communication rather. Yes. Yeah. It was just, it's same core technology, but a totally different use case. And so um, we about, well, it was in uh, the end of May in, in 2019, we launched Solus Guard. So Solus Guard is geared totally towards employers who have employees that work alone or at risk. And we provide them with a full suite of safety solutions you know, to achieve that uh, result. So that's kind of how that happened is, you know, I'd love to say I was, you know, had this genius idea, and what, but really it was uh, the market telling me what we need to do and our business and our bottom line saying that we needed to go this route. 
Right. Well, that makes a lot of sense and a very smart pivot to keep them separate in a way, both to not confuse and maximize the advantage of both markets and not cross-subsidize either and, and yeah. almost lose track of, well, the one actually perhaps isn't profitable and it's being subsidized by the other, but you never that way ever realize why the bottom line isn't growing. You've mm -hmm. got this constant cash drain, but until you do appropriate accounting and identify the profitability, it's, it, yeah, it's way smarter to just keep them separated and clearly identifiable. And that way you can probably grow faster because you can independently focus on each product. Right. Yes. Well, and what we did is we didn't focus. So this is what's interesting. So we, we took our focus off of Aura. I left it essentially to tread water, if you will, because it was important. We have customers, we have people who use it every day. They rely on it, including my, my dad. And, and it was important that we, ke we keep it there. We put no focus on it whatsoever. All of our focus, as, as you said, was, was on Solus Guard. So by focusing on it, by going after that market, by delivering, you know, the products and services, but also running a good business, we, we've grown it considerably. Like it's grown significantly faster than the aura size. But what's really interesting is it's just lately and, and granted this has a lot to do with, with COVID um, and the increase of violence against women is that just lately, even though we have no focus over here, now the market is pulling us again saying, Hey, you, we need this. So um, it's, we've been fortunate in that we, we kept Aura going. It's still been kept up. Um, we can respond to what the market needs. And, and I don't know if this will be short-lived or long, long-term scenario, um, but like what we experienced on the business side, now we're experiencing back on the individual side, but in a different way. Very interesting. Hey. Have you found any form of a slowdown on the uh, Solus God side with businesses not operating as extensively, or is it pretty steady on that side? Right at the beginning, you know, of the lockdowns uh, in March, April, May, the spring of spring of last year, certainly our leads were were really cut. Like they, there was a lot of organizations that we were dealing with that um, those organizations were hit really hard. And so they they were struggling financially and they said, well, we can't look at anything, even, even these safety devices. We just can't do anything. We were just trying to survive. And so in the early days of the uh, lockdown, we certainly saw a definite slowdown of of that perspective, you know, from, from the leads and sales. But since then, um, the, it, it's, it's just actually continued to grow. We've, we've been fortunate. We're fortunate that we're one of those companies that came out of it pretty quickly because, you know, other industries um, have more and more people working alone, more and more people are working remotely. Um, unfortunately, there's a greater use of, of, drugs and alcohol and risks. Yeah. So if you are a property manager and you're managing residential properties, you're noticing that things are getting pretty um, scary out there these days, for instance. So property management companies are coming to us and saying, hey, we need to keep our employees safe. Um, 
you know, so it's, it's been interesting. It's just, it, it's shifted a bit. Um, we've picked up steam again and we're operating uh, at full capacity. So we're, we're fortunate, but it's been interesting, a bit of a roller coaster. Yeah. And you're definitely seeing an element of the trends that are happening in society because you're in that niche of the market that right. you, shall we say, you're in vulnerable niche. So you see the vulnerable exposure and, and the way it's growing. In yes, absolutely. We deal a lot with not-for-profit organizations that, you know, deal with people who who are really vulnerable and um and it's it's interesting because on the one hand on the aura side we provide solutions for these women that are at risk but on the other hand we provide solutions for the employees of the not-for-profit organizations that their employees are at risk at risk yes absolutely and you're seeing growth on both sides which really does show that the statistics we're seeing is showing that this this lockdown has been bad and you wonder if it's the the mental health aspect that is triggering some of it or if it's the isolation that people are together and cooped up and frustrated but yeah that's that's unfortunate but great for your business you know good for the bottom line because you keep selling products and also good that we you know i i'm do feel very proud that we have something that can help people. You know, they are in this horrible, unfortunate situation, whether it's workplace or personal, but at least we can come in and provide them with peace of mind and a feeling of safety and a feeling of security that they couldn't get before. So we can do that for them. So yes, it it is horrible that this is happening, but at the same time, we're here for them. And just as much as we're here for truck drivers that are, you know, on the road a lot and that are isolated a lot or a parole officer who's, you know, got to deal with these sorts of situations. So we have a very broad and diverse uh, and customer base because there's just so many people who are skilled remote workers. Right. Potential use cases are vast and you wouldn't necessarily need to change the product or service that you offer significantly to suit each one of those micro markets within the greater use case. Fantastic. Great invention. I must congratulate you you on your accomplishment on that. You must have had significant challenges along the way. Have you had any um, tricks or secrets that you've used to grow the company as you've progressed through the years or either of the companies through the years? Yeah. Well, you know, the interesting thing about about me and leading the company and, and inventing, if you will, this, this concept is I'm a non-technical founder of a very mm-hmm. technical products, yes. very technical company. And, you know, that comes with a whole set of challenges, of course, also a whole set of opportunities because I have okay. a diverse business background. But um, if there's anything that I've learned from the, from the very beginning uh, is that I have to rely on a lot of people, right? Like this is not something I can build on my own. I have to go out. I have to be, first of all, be extremely inquisitive and ask a tremendous amount of questions and and learn a lot for sure. Um, But also then seek out and surround myself with the best people in the industry, Uh, not just technically, 
but also ones that are willing to work with somebody like myself, who is non-technical, who are willing to come on this crazy journey with me, who are willing to, um, to work with somebody who they have to take a little extra effort because I don't, I don't know the ins and outs of also the kind of people that I can trust. Yes. Big part of it. Exactly. And so through this whole process, I just, there's a a lot, I just don't know. And so um, that's really been the challenge for me is making sure that I'm asking a lot of questions that I'm, you know, being as smart as I can, that I'm surrounding myself with the best people and, and, you know, really just working my way through it. Right. Fantastic. Have you had difficulty? I don't know if you've tried to raise funding along the way, but if you did, did you find that you were having difficulty? Because certainly women founders do mm-hmm. struggle a lot more than, than the men do. The early, early days of Aura. So um, we we launched, Aura's been, been around for a few years now. So back in, oh my goodness, I think it was like 2016 is when I did an initial raise at that time with Aura. So I did a, an angel investment round. Um, and I was really fortunate that I, in my personal network, I was able to find angel investors who wanted to come along on this journey with me and were really early investors. Um, and I, I did not do a friends and family round. I, I, I did an angel round um, back then. Since that time, I've been fortunate that I've not had to raise. Um, I have um, had enough sales and bootstrap yes. my way and, and also worked with great government organizations, but everything all together um, to make my way through the highs and the lows of Aura and then this journey along Soulscar. So I've been ex- extremely, um, it's been very, I've been very fortunate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it, through the process, you know, I have talked to VCs, I have talked to all t- types of different investors. Um, I, I've definitely, I have felt bias. Um, and, you know, I, I wonder, I always wonder, like, is it, is it because of my gender? Um, is it because I'm a non-technical founder? Is it because I have a hardware company? In the VC world, hardware is kind of the dirty word. Nobody wants mm-hmm. it. Everybody wants software. So I always wonder, like, is it my age? This is a very young person's game. Yes. And so, you know, it's, there's so many things that you could take personally and say, it's all of those different things. And it could be all of those different things. Or um, do I just say, you know what, this isn't a fit for me. I'm going to move on. Yeah. So that's the approach I take. I've decided that I am actually going to raise. I've never raised under Solus Guard. I've never taken any outside of investment, um, outside investment. And so I'm actually opening around next week. Awesome. Um, so we will be raising capital um, on a, I don't know what you'd call it, a seed extension round um, that's coming up. So Stay tuned. I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> Very exciting. I mean, that's, that's, but really, really well done that you have a very good model that has been able to self fund because the cash flow is the hard part in trying yeah. to grow a company. And particularly in a situation like you've had where the market was creating the demand, you weren't trying to drive the demand. So you needed to be able to fill the growth that 
that you were seeing as a necessity in, in what you were producing. So yeah, that's very exciting. So you're going into a funding round now. And I do agree, you know, raising funding is not easy. And the fund raises I've done, I've mostly been the chief financial officer. So I wasn't leading the, mm. the round necessarily. But you do definitely sense prejudice. I mean, certainly when I was in the room, the merchant bankers or angels or whoever we were speaking with would always speak to the man in my presence. And the reality is also you definitely have to find the fit in oh, terms yeah. of what kind of funding they're doing. And the, as you say, the product that they are funding, because there are some who will fund hardware, there are some that will fund software. There's some that will focus on a particular industry, but they're dabbling in, in other industries. So, oh yeah, you know, well, that'll, that's exciting. You obviously have some great growth plans in, in your mind. So uh, yeah. that goes really well. You're absolutely correct because some might say, well, why are you raising? It's been, you know, uh, just about two years. You're doing well. You're, you've got the cash flow. You, you know, you haven't had it. Why would you raise, you know? And yeah. I, and that's what's held me back. I, I haven't raised the last two years because it just didn't seem right. Mm -hmm. I, and most of it was product market fit. I wanted to make sure that we had a clear line of sight. You know, there's there's good and bad to having a product that meets multiple different markets, right? Very true. Yes. Because many people can use it, but where does it make the most sense to focus on it? And quite frankly, I'm still I'm still challenged by that because we actually we don't do outbound prospecting. All of our leads are inbound. Inbound. And so <laughs> which is also another great thing. Yeah. It's fabulous. Um, to be able to just sit back and have the leads come in, but then everything comes in from, you know, as I mentioned, from trucking company to not-for-profit organizations and property managers. Um, but I think we now ha have a very pretty clear idea of the verticals that we're, that, where we think we can have the most impact and where we can grow the, the fastest. And so because of that, I, I'm more comfortable to be able to put these extra resources to turn that into results and get that ROI for for my myself my my uh, company and my investors. Yeah, so the, the time is appropriate now that you you've been able to test the market adequately and identify the the appropriate area to focus in. So, what um, trends do you see impacting both the companies as well as the industry going forward in the next, let's say, three to five years? Um, well, certainly what's happening in the market is, is twofold. And I think both of these things are good for us. Um, one is there's more and more people working alone. And that's certainly been exacerbated by COVID. But it just is the reality. There's more people working alone. There's more people working remotely. All this is happening, um, which which does put strain and pressure on employers. And, you know, how do you keep your, your employees safe? The other side of things is that governments are taking notice. And so particularly in, in Canada, but also very much in the United States, governments are saying, okay, there's some vague loan worker legislation right now that if you've got employees that work alone, you kind of got to make sure they're safe. However, what's changing is they're starting, governments are starting to be more and more specific to say, hmm, okay, if they're working alone or if they're working in a job that's at risk, 
you need to provide X, Y, and Z. And I think when governments get involved and they start saying, you must, otherwise this is going to happen. I think um, when you bring those things together, uh, employers are going to have to take notice of it. They're going to you know, have to take action. And I think that's where we're going to be perfectly positioned to say, okay, well, this is, these are all the things that we can do to help you resolve those two issues. Yeah, which is great. I mean, very often government starts pushing once they know there is a solution mm-hmm. and they've become aware that there is a solution out there. So there isn't really an excuse for the employers to take a half-hearted, sloppy approach on on complying with the legislation. So yeah, I could see that happening over the next next little while. Well, fantastic that you're perfectly positioned and good that you plan to raise the funding to to be able to to handle the growth. So at the moment you are based in Saskatoon, if I recall, um, do you do all of your manufacturing and the, the uh, technical side within the province or are you spread across various locations? Well, we're, we're spread, um, which is probably of, of no surprise. And, and uh, we were this way before COVID and certainly will be this way after. Uh, our team, the, the majority of our teammates are here in Saskatoon with me, but we do have developers in Regina, in Toronto, in BC. So we do have um, people across the country um, in terms of software. Um, our hardware, we've, we have a fantastic partner out of Quebec and have from day one. Um, and we manufacture out of Quebec. So that's also a major differentiator from us in terms of wearable technology, first of all, is not in, you know designed, built and distributed in Canada. And yet we do all of those things. Yeah, and, and spread across the country. So you're also not vulnerable to a particular location. Like I think back on the floods in Calgary, if your mm-hmm. factory had been in a building downtown in Calgary at that time, you could have been shut down if that's where you were doing 100% of the manufacturing and programming. Whereas this way, software and hardware are in a variety of places. So one would hope that you'd be able to get inventory even if uh, one location were shut down. So that's awesome. But also necessary, I would think, because the software skills are (laughs) a hot commodity at the moment. Exactly. Well, that's exactly it. Um, Software developers are extremely hard to come by, period. Um, And they're in demand everywhere, all over North America. And one of the well, it's it's made it a level level playing field for everybody because they're not all concentrated, you know, in Silicon Valley or Kitchener Waterloo or you know whatever the case may be. They can they can really be anywhere, and you can live anywhere and work for any company anywhere. Yes. So that's been that's been helpful for sure. Because I can tell you, in Saskatchewan, we have a major problem in that we have our we have got a booming tech sector and very few software developers. So we need the ability to be able to reach out across North America to find talent. But and so that's, is everybody else. <laughs> it's just- well, yeah. You know, in, in uh, one of my former lives, as they describe it, one of my previous um, positions, the chief executive was very opposed 
to not having people physically within the company. And that's the exact area that we struggled because there just is not a large enough supply of appropriately high quality trained software developers. Exactly. And, and you know, the, the other mistake was if one of them works through the night to complete a project, you can't expect them to be in the office at eight the next morning. <laughs> They do not work a defined schedule. They work to a task. So allow them to do their best work. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I, I, you know what? I think you hit on something. And I think that is, talking about trends, I think culture is going to win. I think that's what's going to win the day. I think organizations that quickly figure out how to build cultures that work in these environments are going to be able to attract the not only attract um, key people, but retain them. And even our little company, it's extremely important that we, first of all, recognize um, that there are people with different skill sets who have different cultural backgrounds that have, you know, completely, you know, different geographical regions, but also um, operate at different times. We've got some people who are really great in the morning and some people like to work, as you said, all through the night. Exactly. And so if, if we can recognize that um, and, and manage our tasks and manage the, you know, our, our production according to the way that they like to work, I think that makes for a great culture and therefore makes for a great business. Absolutely. And everyone can benefit from each other's differences that way, because I'm a firm believer in diversity. And I do mean diversity of culture and thought and in this case geographic location and everything it just brings that that very different flavor and they've also proved that the diverse companies grow dramatically better they they're stronger more stable and they grow faster which is, think is so too. phenomenal so you've been highly successful do you have any thoughts on what perhaps makes some entrepreneurs and their companies successful while others really struggle? It is this strange combination of being really, of being gritty and, you know, having that tenacity to stick with it. Yet at the same time, you've got to be extremely flexible and be willing to pivot. And so it's almost like these two opposing skill sets or not not opposing, but conflicting skill sets, right? You know, that that you you come along with. But when I think to, you know, some of the entrepreneurs that I know that are really successful, that's what I find. I just find that they're they've got this dogged determination and they're gonna go after it and they're not gonna let things get them down and they're gonna do all these things. But at the same time, they're not too proud or uh, to sit back and say, you know, I need to change, I need to course correct, I need to, you know, rethink this. I, you know, and and so it is a it's a it's a delicate balance, but I think there's something there. That's awesome. Do you also find of the ones that you know that are very successful, are they more inclined to listen and, and approach things as a team? Or are several of them more singular in their approach? Because I have also heard that the, the statistics say that women are more are naturally more team focused and men very often lead by example or by themselves. So have you noticed any trend on, on any of those uh, aspects? 
you know, when I think about entrepreneurs that I know that are are highly success- successful and the ones also that I really admire most, by the way, are women. Some are men. There you go. Um, Interesting. I think, I think about them and I would say they're both. Um, I would say they have a very clear vision and they lead. Absolutely. They, you know, that they, they are the leader. They're the CEOs and they're the founders of their company and they absolutely lead. But I also think that they have a natural inclination to collaborate. And so I think that part comes naturally to a lot of, of these people. And so, you know, I, I think it's a combination, but I, I would say these are, are naturally born leaders who... Yeah, they, they've got a clear vision. So those are probably the two strong aspects. It's the vision and the collaboration. And the style may be different in in the exactly. way the leader operates, but those are, are two pretty core critical elements that that certainly indicate a certain level of, mm-hmm. of success. Um, so what worries and excites you about the future as we move forward, either for the company or just generally in our market or for Canada? Um, the same things that worry me excite me and excite me, worry me. <laughs> you know, I think um, our, the industry that I'm in is there's no one clear leader and we have every opportunity to get out there and grab that position. We This is right for me and my team to go out there and grab it and, and take the leadership role in North America. And so that excites me. And what frightens me is that somebody's going to get there before I am. And <laughs> so that worries me. Yes. So it's it's both at the same time. And, and as I said before, everything is starting to happen right now. Um, the next three to five years, we're really going to see this shift to um, ensuring that our, our skilled remote workers are safe. And we just want to be the ones that are leading the charge. Yeah, that you're in the right place at the right time. Well, at least your technology is, shall we call it mature for a software product? So you're ready to grab the market, shall we say, and then evolve as you need to moving forward. Because that's also the reality. You probably have to constantly upgrade and and change, shall we say. So that's yeah, part of the excitement yeah. of a software Always. company. Yes, always iterating. Yeah, our hardware stays pretty static, but our software, yes, always growing and evolving. And always what we do and what sets us apart from anybody else in this industry, because we own everything end to end, our stack is owned by us end to end. We're the only ones that have this, can say this concurrently. Um, We are able to modify and customize our solution for that, that company. And so we don't do it for every single person, but certainly for for organizations of scale. And so in order to be able to meet the needs of that organization, we have to, you know, change our product a little bit for them. So we'll always be developing and changing. But, you know, I can I can say we're a mature product for sure. We've spent a few years at this. You know, we've we've made some mistakes. We're still going to make some mistakes. We're still going to change. Um, but I would say we've got a pretty solid uh, product and you know we save people's lives so i think um, we're ready to go that and which is why we're raising we're yes. ready to scale yeah and we as a, a type of company that we are right now you know as a hardware software um safety company you can't just scale when you're not ready but we are ready we're ready to scale and the time is right 
Yeah, no, that's a, that, that's great. I mean, I do know of a couple of software companies who attempted to scale before they were fully confident that they were mature. And unfortunately, you land up evolving or frittering in a variety of areas all simultaneously, which stretches the company mm -hmm. way too long and actually weakens it at, at the end of the day. So, yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great position to be in. Um, so for the listeners, are, do you have any thoughts that you would like to leave us with? Well, you know, I don't know when this is going to air, but I do know that International Women's Day is on Monday um, and a day that is really, really important to me. And I've been, I've been around a bit and, you know, as, as have you, and we've, we've seen a few things. Um, and I, I want to see women be more bold. I want to see women be the leaders that I know that they can be. And we are seeing more of that. Um, and I'd love to see women in maybe in industries and areas that they typically not felt that they belong. And technology is a big one because um, what I've observed, and this is a general statement, but what I've observed is that men tend to build great tech products and then find a solution. Whereas I find women tend to see the problem and come up with a solution and then aren't sure how to, to solve it. And I think that when you get to the point when you're going to market, who's going to win the day every day is a product that solves a real problem. And so I think what women, if, if I could speak especially to the women listeners, is just to say, you know, if, if in your life you have observed something, experienced something, have a, lived something that you think needs to be solved, whatever that is, and whatever area that is, and you have an idea to solve that problem. Whether or not you can solve that problem is irrelevant. You, if you really know that problem and you have a really good idea to solve it, then surround yourself with the people that can help you get to where you need to go. Be that leader that you need to be to lead them to that solution. And I think, you know, just taking that first step and getting it going and, and figuring it out. There's a there's a certainly a, a growing industry of, of women entrepreneurs, a growing industry of women tech entrepreneurs. And most of us are non-technical, non but I'm still a tech founder. I'm a still a tech entrepreneur, even though I don't code or build hardware. Every right to be here as anyone else does. And so do they. No, I agree with you. That is really, really valuable. The more women that just, take the challenge to solve the problem they've identified yes. because the majority of women do identify a lot of problems mm -hmm. but they're also inclined to take the more subservient approach of working around the problem or living with the problem which they they could solve it as you say yes it's challenging to sit there on a day and say i don't know how to solve this i don't know where to find the right person to help me solve this. But as you've demonstrated, it can be done. You've just got it to can be stick done. with your determination to succeed. That's fantastic. So how can listeners contact you to learn more about the companies and yourself? Absolutely. Well, to, to get in touch with me, by all means, um, LinkedIn is the best 
place. I have such a unique name um, that I'm super easy to find. So all you have to do is just, you know, Google it or go into LinkedIn and find it and, and reach out, make sure to mention this podcast so that I know, you know, how you, you've heard of me. Fantastic. Um, uh, but first and foremost, that's me personally. I would invite them to check out the work that we've done. I'm very proud of it. Um, Aura, the website is AuraForYou.com. And for Solus Guard, it's SolusGuard.com. Fantastic. And I'll link all of that up in the in the show notes page as well, just in case people are listening in their cars or or on the run. And then at least they can find the connections. So that's awesome. So thanks very much for joining me today. It really was a valuable opportunity to learn about the products and the traumatic success you've been making over the, the last few years. And Good luck on the raise. I'm definitely going to stay in touch on that aspect, as you suggested. I really appreciate it. And providing this platform for us to be able to speak to what we're passionate about, what we're working on is just um, tremendous value. So thank you for everything that you're doing. The Unlocking Business Growth Podcast is sponsored by Protea Consulting Professional Corporation. We help our clients achieve the business growth and success they are capable of. They innovate and strategically anticipate, fine-tune their highest impact business variables, and regularly exceed aggressive growth and cash flow targets. If you would like to know more, here are four ways you can help energize your business growth. Number one, subscribe to the Unlocking Business Growth podcast to hear from other companies that have overcome growth hurdles they have experienced. Hit the subscribe button in your podcast app right now or go to proteaconsulting.ca slash podcast. Number two, get your free copy of NOLA's latest book, The 5F Strategy, Bottom Line Growth in Any Economy Without Additional Sales and Marketing to discover her proven strategies for growth. Go to proteaconsulting.ca slash book. Number three, download a copy of the Financial Growth Scorecard to assess your current status and what to work on next on your growth journey. Go to proteaconsulting.ca slash growth. Number four, work with us to achieve the growth and success your company is truly capable of. To find out if we're a fit, Email NOLA at info at proteaconsulting.ca or send us a note on the website at proteaconsulting.ca slash contact.